Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, everybody. The podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And today, I've got a special guest named Chadley Michael Johnson. And he's mad cool. I really like him. We've met on and off throughout the years in different states, different places. But he always has the same smile. He has one of the greatest smiles in the business. Which business? The business of being a human. But we connected a while back. He's been listening to the podcast a while. And he really wanted to talk about God and sexuality. And so in this conversation, I really tried to keep it to two main questions. The first one is, what is the internal nature of sexuality? The second one is how God is in communication. So how does God factor into connection? And so it's a great conversation. It was almost exactly an hour. It went all over the map, but we stayed the course. We still got to where we needed to go and actually I had two very deep takeaways this episode from Chad. It was wonderful. I called him Todd twice because I have a friend named Todd and Chad and Todd to me are interchangeable names, but don't be fooled. His name is Chad. He's the man. He's super cool. And this is a wonderful conversation. So please welcome Chad Lee Michael Johnson. Welcome back, everybody. So I have a guest here from Japan. I think you are my first person in Japan. And since I'm trying this out, I needed an American spy in Japan. And then I'll work my way to a Japanese person in Japan. But we've had a Japanese person in America on the podcast, but we haven't had a Japanese person in Japan. So now we have an American in Japan. You and I have been going back and forth for probably a month and a half, something like that. Some weeks, Some weeks yes. In preparation for this. We actually prepared for this because we care about you guys. Let me tell you why. Because I know Chad <laughs> to be similar to me in the way that he and I can both go to outer space very quickly because we love the ethereal. We love big concepts. We love chewing on big things. It's just who we are. It's in our nature. But... Since you all love time and space so much and don't want to be on a podcast for 16 hours, we prepared a little bit to narrow it down to what is the real meat of our conversation. And I'm honored to have Chad all the way from Japan who woke up early and went to a special place to get good Wi-Fi just so that he could be here fully in high definition. So welcome, Chad. Can I call you CMJ? Is that cool to call you CMJ? You can, you can. Actually, I like CLMJ because I'm this semi-Asian. My first name is Chad Lee with nice. the L-I, like Jet Lee. And I don't even know what it means. <laughs> I got to ask my mom about that. You know, some Korean leader gave that. But I'm a secret spy in Japan. And it's hard to crack into this Japanese culture, man. Like even my daughter, she's technically got my wife's last name because, you know, Johnson is not Japanese, so can't, you can't have a Japanese citizen with an yeah, American yeah, yeah. name. I thought you were going to say for a second that your daughter oh, yes. doesn't trust you because you're a spy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully she trusts me. I think she's only 11 months, but yeah. we'll see. I'm hoping. When she starts talking, we'll find She'll out. She'll reveal her true nature. Exactly. So we kind of went all over the place in terms of like, he's a man with a lot of passion. Let's talk about many things. He loves God. But we kind of whittled it down to two main things. And the first thing, and what I'm really excited to talk about, is the internal nature of sex. I think you and I have spoken about this a bit, that 
High Noon has gone way off into the land of practicalities because I think we're from a faith that's very pie in the sky, very high concept. Everything's about world peace, but we never talk about the road, how we're going to actually get there kind of thing. So we wanted to like just be boots on the ground, be super practical. But in many ways, we've gone a little too far in that direction. And we get calls for more internal stuff. What's the spiritual aspect? What's the internal aspect of sexuality? So thank you for being so passionate about it. And what have you been contemplating and lingering on in terms of what does that mean to you, the internal nature of sexuality? I think about these things a lot, especially in this culture that we live in, which is very sexualized. There's a lot of Hollywood ideas that they put out there and different things. But generally, because like you said, I really love God. I really love divine principle, which I started to kind of study on my own late teens, early 20s. You know, I was like, wow, this stuff is amazing. I grew up with this, but there's some really good stuff in here. So one of those most fundamental things, I think it's like right after the introduction, the first section is talking about dual characteristics. And one of the most fundamental aspects of dual characteristics, because you think of yang and yin, male and female, but they also talk about internal nature and external form, which exists in everything. So like every entity has its internal part and its external parts. That's really like where I think about sexuality a lot. Like what is that internal part and that internal side? And if it's okay, I wanted to actually read just two sentences so people will know I'm not like crazy, but it's like page one, I think, or section one, it says, there is another pair of dual characteristics in reciprocal relationship, which are even more fundamental to existence than the dual characteristics of yang and yin, which is like male and female. Every entity possesses both an outer form and an inner quality. The visible outer form resembles the invisible inner quality. And the invisible inner quality possesses a certain structure, which is manifested visibly in the particular outer form. So the inner quality is called internal nature and the outer form is called external form. Internal nature and external form refer to corresponding inner and outer aspects of the same entity. The external form can also be understood as the second internal nature. And therefore, internal nature and external form constitute dual characteristics. So the reason I wanted to read that is because it's kind of like saying they're all one thing, but the invisible part is really the whole thing. Like you could even call the, the visible part the second invisible part. They're not trying to separate it. It's like one thing. So when I think about sexuality, I'm like, you know, we're very visual. Even on this podcast, we talk about the visual things that pull us the pornography, and then we get pulled by all these kind of very stimulating things visually. But all of that is like, there's an inner invisible something. And that's kind of what, you know, I would love to talk about. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any questions. <laughs> well, that, that's really deep stuff. It's kind of like you can get lost in the grandeur of it because it's talking yes. about small things, but in a very big way. And so when you hear that, that we're so heavily influenced by the internal and that the external is just an expression of the internal. Like, how does that look like in your experience of growing up in this hypersexualized culture? Because it seems like the 
reverse to me. If I were to think about it just briefly, it seems like we're so stimulated from something outside of us that triggers something inside of us that then reciprocates back outwards. So it's like we see porn, we see some sexual content from outside of us. It kind of prods these little machines inside of us, kind of these feelings, all these whirling range of thoughts and emotions. And then we want to reciprocate by acting out in a physical, sexual kind of way. Does that make sense? So it's something mm -hmm. outside that's prodding something inside that then bounces back outside again. So how do you see it? Well, that does make sense. So in walking around, you know, daily life, like, I'll be good, I'll be good. And then maybe like a very scantily dressed woman will walk by on the subway or, you know, in Japan, everybody wears skirts. Like all the little girls, adults, like everybody's wearing skirts. Maybe some girl has a super hyped up skirt and now there's like, whoa, like something visual. And then that desire comes up. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to unpack the internal stuff. What the mechanisms that are occurring internally, what does that look like? Because most people, to be honest, they're stuck at, well, I saw this person in that outfit, in that skirt or whatever. And that's what triggered me to feel mm. sexualized. But what you're saying is that that's kind of the wrong way of looking at it because it starts internally. If you see somebody and that triggers a sexual reaction, it's triggering something that's latent in you. It's already in you. And so it's mm -hmm. much more important to kind of look at what is this thing that's being triggered instead of blaming the external source, which could be the porn or the what have you. So I'd love to understand how you experience the internal nature of sexuality, so just so we can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I would say that's true. So we have these latent desires, like in our life, we have desires and that's why we feel good. Like I want to eat and then I feel good when I eat. If you look at Everything outside of human beings, this internal nature and external, it's just instinct. So the internal nature of a tree is the seed's going to go in the ground. And so it talked about that structure. The internal nature has a structure. So a tree's going to put roots, grow a trunk, grow some leaves, and animals going to grow up, go find a mate when it's in heat. And this is the instinct. So human beings, we are that as well. But we are not just animal-like. We have also this spiritual aspect that is deeper than what all other things have. So that's why there's a certain distinction between human beings and all other things when you look at the divine principle. So I say that to say our sexuality also is a little bit deeper. We do have this aspect of like, oh, like very hot girl, blah, but that's not the entirety of the human experience. So there is a deeper experience that I think we feel. And this is probably related to like, after you look at porn, have masturbation, you know, they're like, oh God. And then there's this guilty feeling and this, oh, does an animal have that? I don't know, we'd have to investigate, but I don't think there's that aspect after they do their thing. You know what I'm saying? A dog will come up and start humping anybody's legs. There's no real guilt and shame so that very feeling, I think, is connected to the internal nature of our sexuality, that there is something deeper than just instinct. You know, a lot of people grow up and surrounded by the church community. I had a lot of other friends, and, you know, although I stayed the straight and narrow, some of my other friends, I would ask them, like, man, you've been with girls before? And sometimes they would tell me, like, yeah, you know, especially early on, like, I would just feel so gross. I just wouldn't want to be with this girl anymore. I'd want to, like, get them out as soon as possible. 
And I was like, oh, so this shameful feeling kind of exists in everybody. You know what I mean? I hope, I hope I'm not speaking too vaguely. No, that's But cool. yeah. I want to try to nail this down a little bit more because I heard this, you know, Gabor Mate, that he's a therapist. He's an addiction specialist. Anyway, he was talking about, he really put it in context that if you look at the way that we are designed and the way that we've evolved, like our lungs are a certain size because we need a certain amount of oxygen. And that's very specific to the atmosphere that we live in, to the way that our specific planet Earth has been created. So with bigger lungs, it wouldn't work. With smaller lungs, it wouldn't work. We've really evolved to a specific way based on how much oxygen we have at our disposal. But he was talking about how our nervous system is also designed to be able to receive love. It's all been optimized for the sake of love itself. And he's saying that the nervous system is not just like this accidental system, but it's actually been designed specifically for love. When things like heartbreak occur, then it really impacts us in a specific way because we're not optimized for that. We're optimized for love. And it was really interesting because it's this external form that's our nervous system it's essentially external right it's like mm -hmm. the mechanics but it's reacting to something very much internal to the way that we experience other people to the way that people speak to us to the way that our parents hold us or don't hold us everything is optimized for loves so that's kind of like one very clear visual that i could see the external nature of love has been set up through the nervous system to kind of catch love it's almost like a spider web that catches love but the internal thing of love is something that exists beyond that some people think that our nervous system is just that is love but obviously we know that there's a god there's spirituality there's all sorts of other stuff at play that are impacting our nervous system so i'd love to know you grew up in this world like you said how did you develop your internal nature while well you grew up, you're going through puberty, you're noticing girls, now you're being exposed to porn. Your body and your nervous system is being shaped and molded by a broken culture, but you also have this internal nature that seeks after goodness, righteousness. Like, How did you win that battle or how did you shape yourself based on your ideals and your virtues instead of your impulses, your lower urges? I don't think anybody's sure. perfect. So obviously like I have pornography, masturbation problems, especially as a teenager and trying to like, you know, you might have justifications of like, oh, I'm not doing this with other people. You know what I mean? So this is a little bit more kosher, yeah, pure and holy. Yeah, kosher. There we go. But in my case, I hate to say it, it's just kind of maturity and then circumstance. Like when I finished high school, I went to college and my mom was still overseas. I graduated high school in Tanzania, in Africa, because we traveled around a lot. So then I went to the U.S. for college. You know, I was a good boy. Like, I was always good in school. People liked me. But my first semester of college, I ended up getting suspended. <laughs> but I was, like, being a bad boy. And I got suspended for this little incident. Nobody got hurt. But it was, like, against the rules. I lit some newspaper on fire outside. Because in Africa, they burn their trash. But in America, that's a big no-no. And so the police came and they're like, this university said, you got to go home for a while. But in that time, you know, I was kind of like that phase of, do I really believe in this or not? 
doing the college life thing and like thinking about, oh, maybe I could get this going. But, you know, I was also very shy. So I was kind of leaning towards that, oh, maybe there'd be a big mistake. And then I just kind of got snatched out of that situation because I had to go back to my mom in Tanzania. So completely left that bad environment, not of my own free will. So, you know, I don't know if I could say I have some big victory, but in that new environment, being back with my mom, I decided for very selfish reasons, let me start reading this like spiritual stuff that I grew up with. And it really shocked me. You know what I mean? Actually, one thing I remember my dad told me, I was really like, why can't I have a girlfriend? Like, why do I just have to get blessed to somebody else besides? Like, so God doesn't want me to be happy and blah, blah, blah. And my dad was like, well, you know, he's very like, that's a black American guy, just very casual, says one or two words. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you could get a girlfriend, whatever, but just destroy the whole lineage, throw that away. I was like, lineage, like, oh yeah, this is lineage thing, you know? And that kind of triggered me to start reading and when I discovered, man, the principle, more than just like sexual stuff, like my mind was blown because they talk about all this Bible history and they go beyond that. And I was like, how did they even discover all this stuff? And it all makes sense. So that kind of triggered my spiritual journey, which basically just made a couple of determinations when I went back to college. Like, I'm not going to drink anymore. You know, I was doing drinking, and especially when I had alcohol in me. It was like, girls, 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 where the girls at? I was kind of that guy, but sort of cut that off bit by bit started growing my, my spiritual Got life. So a little bit of God's grace and circumstance, but you also made a choice and you also cut out porn at some point from your life, right? Or you reduced it or... Oh, yeah. So how did that look? If we look at porn as the result of internal stuff, so typically in High Noon, we talk about emotional things because spirituality can get very esoteric. But I want to go there with you because mm -hmm. I feel safe talking about spirituality with you. So typically no, we look at porn as you're trying to fulfill a natural need in an unnatural way through porn. So sexuality is a desire mm -hmm. for intimacy, for connection. But if we were to look at that deeper in like a true spiritual eternal sense, you could look at the macro and like sexuality connects us to the past, to the future, you know, everything. But you could also look at it in the micro and like every one of your cells is now focused on this act. What do you feel has been your path in like harnessing your sexuality, honing it in? Because it's not just about like, oh, I stopped watching porn and then that's the end of your journey. You've also grown into a man. You're now a father. You're a husband. How have you harnessed that sexual energy? How did you go about taking it and deciding where to put it and not letting it just run wild, like in college? That's a very good question. And I also think the emotional aspect is so important. Basically, around that same time, having to struggle and kind of using that as an excuse, initially it would kind of be like, oh, well, it's better than chasing these girls. But in your heart, you're like, I know this is not good. This is false. Like, I'm looking at these. So forceful discipline, I would be like, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm talking about college time, maybe like four or five months. I'm just not going to look at porn. I'm not going to touch myself. But I remember at that time, like, I would start having these weird dreams. And then suddenly in my dream, like, ah, like, whatever would happen. And I'd wake up and I'm like, whoa, this was not even my plan. Still, emotionally, inside of me, there was some kind of desire. Although forcefully, I was controlling my actions. There's that instinctive side when... 
my reality was just, that's how it is. You have this sexuality, but I got to force it down for now. It's a little bit deeper than that. Like I said, dogs have instinct of their sexuality to procreate. And we have that as well in our physical self. And I don't know if this is going to get no, too crazy, good. but you know how there's that mind-body unity yeah. thing? And this is something I got from reading the Unification Thought recently. They talk about it in that True Father, Sun Young Moon would talk about mind-body unity. The body he's talking about is actually your physical mind and your physical body. So your instinctive mind is part of your body that he would talk about because your spiritual side has a spiritual mind and spiritual body. And this is more related to our internal nature. So the physical mind and physical body is already united. Mr. Love, it's like, if I need to go to the bathroom, like I got to go right now. Everything else is like, I'm looking for the next bathroom, you know? So our physical mind and physical body is kind of already united and moving together. Right, so this issue is more the spirit mind and the physical mind. So this instinctive mind should unite with this sort of spiritual mind. And what is this internal nature of human beings, the spiritual mind? Well, that's related to God. We have this reasoning and understanding of spiritual things that nature doesn't have. But when we talk about the issue of the fall, it's getting cut off from God. What is the internal nature of sexuality? That Internal design is not about we need to procreate. It's more about what's the purpose of procreating? What was God's intention? Like this spiritual mind is centered on God's heart, but we completely lost that. Even as people growing up learning divine principle, original sin was just sex. That's the problem. Physically doing something is external. So what is that internal heart of original sin? The sexual act was the fall. Sorry for the no, physical motions. Okay, <laughs> I was on camera. Okay. <laughs> if the sexual act was the fall alone, that's not really saying anything. Because we just read the invisible is being reflected in the visible. So what was the invisible problem? What was the real problem? And this gets to that emotional problem that I would have. In the end, it was just like, I know that I'm going to control my sexuality because I'm supposed to, it's all kind of just me, me, me. Even though I'm not physically looking at porn and touching, like there's still this desire of me that would spill out in my dreams. I want these things. I want, I want. But what is God's purpose for sexuality? This is our spiritual side and spiritual mind. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're gonna really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player, or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks, back to the show. When you're growing up, you're trying to be a good person. I was just thinking about that. Everybody thinks that they're a good person. I just saw somebody yesterday and they went through like a red light and I'm sure that they went home and I'm sure they think they're a good person, even though they risked other people's lives to get home three seconds faster. Everybody <laughs> thinks that they're a good person. The distinction that you're making is that that in and of itself of just trying to be a good person, the focus is still almost selfish because the focus is still on yourself it's so it's less about you trying to control yourself and instead 
you trying to really become a vessel for goodness, which is a different energy. Because one is like wrestling with yourself and you're worn out by the end of the day because you've just been wrestling with yourself all day. So both sides of you, your internal and your external are exhausted rather than trying to identify the most efficient way to shine the light of God and truth and all that, which is much more proactive, I guess. That's just my conclusion or my reinterpretation of what you were saying. But if you could say, okay, you were at that point in time when you were trying with willpower to control your sexuality and that wasn't working, you had to then work on yourself internally. What was that work like? Where were you putting your efforts to work on yourself internally? So you mentioned reading the word. Is there anything else that you did? Yeah, I mean, at that time, it was kind of like all the things that I heard. So I was trying to read the word and then pray about the things that I wanted to do, quote unquote, witness. Like, it is a little bit embarrassing to say, but like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, let people know about Father. So meet people and speak, like, yo, here's this autobiography, like, take care. Never see you again, like, kind of thing. And it was just like, man, I'm so embarrassed because it's like, we got to just love people. That's what life is about. But I was just like, oh, tell them about this person and then things will be taken care of. So I was trying all these things and all of that, this heart of me, like wanting to be a good person was there. So I think the real work is when I could start to remove myself and see that myself was even there. I was thinking I'm a good person, but I'm doing everything for the sake of myself. I could really sink in that oh, there's this kind of strange motivation. If you look at the internal aspect of the problem, even original sin, it's about the motivation. Why am I really doing this? Even if like I control my sexuality so that I can tell my partner, you know, I did all these things. That's just making me look like a yeah. great person. So that's getting praise for myself. There's a different sort of give and take and power when you really look at oh, what does God want whether or not i'm good or whether or not i look good what does god really want what is these words saying that he wants he needs us to do that kind of looking toward the partner this is a different source of energy this is a different motivation true love is all centered on another person like myself is removed completely which you know you could say in different ways like sacrifice yourself sounds terrible when the center of my world is someone else. It's a different kind of power and it's a different kind of emotional force that comes out. And when I started to go in that direction and learn, oh, this is what the word is really saying. There was a different kind of power that those struggles became just had less and less of a hold. You know, there's less and less desire to just fulfill my own looking good. That center of motivation can start to change. That's like, the real work. That's a perfect segue into the second half of our conversation because I was mentioning in our conversations that if there's just a saying that goes around quite often in the addiction world, which is the opposite of addiction is connection. And you dug into that by saying that God is the center of connection. And so the question was, how is God the way to connection? And the reason I ask is because it can sound very broad. I know that that was almost a prescription back in the day when you would go to some mm -hmm. religious person and they're like, just pray about it, which has actually a <laughs> huge amount of value if you're doing it with the right heart. But it's not the action. It's that's just the modality of getting to a sincere 
communication with the divine. How do you see that as God is the essence of connection? Because this is where we're trying to guide people ultimately with high noon is connect to God, connect to yourself and connect to others. When you truly have fulfillment in those three areas, then you don't need any false substitutes like porn. That's all just trying to emulate the connection to God, self and others. So how did you really start to find a sincere connection with God and fulfillment in that relationship? Well, I think you have to experience. So it's like for years, I like read the word and believed these things in my emotion. It's like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm not really feeling this. Is this real? I'm trying to believe you have to experience your being. When you feel something, your heart is broken. This is a random reference. I love movies. I showed my wife Get Out. You know, Get Out. Jordan Peele. So this is a very like black, white horror movie. I can't watch it. And you know, my wife is Japanese. It's more like tension, but there's a lot of black, white, racial, and American. And my wife is Japanese. She doesn't know any about anything about that. But like basically I say that to say there's this moment of realization when this black guy goes home to his white girlfriend's house. Turns out the whole family is trying to capture him as a black man (laughs) to use him. There's this moment where he realizes even his girlfriend was in on it the whole time. And it's just like, he's completely, and you can see on his face, like the shock. He was feeling that in his whole body. Like it is impacting him that I got to fight for my life right now. The relationship with God, we have to experience that. So how can we do that? This is where the connection of God comes. So if you want to look at it in a simple way, is the source of all energy. Like anything that's happening in this universe, God is pumping that energy in there. But why can we not feel that? You know, it's related to a lot of things, but essentially we don't look at things the same way as God. We need to learn how God looks at things and practice that. It's like very scientific. If I were to really break it down, it's really like the scientific method. We look at something and say, let me try that out and test that. And then that experience, when we notice it, it will really impact us because You can't really describe when God's love impacts you. It's hard to say it because it's speaking directly to your heart. You know that this is not a coincidence, but if you try to say it to anybody else, that's pretty coincidental. That's pretty cool that that happened. In your feeling and your experience is not. Your intellect knows there's no way this could have happened. You know what I mean? I'll give you one small positive example. Like one time early on with my wife, Rocky start, you know, I never was really, I kept myself from women. So I didn't really know about women. There was one time I was driving around doing a lot. My wife was back at the house. We kind of stayed together with a bunch of people in the house. She had her own things she had to do. I was driving around. I had all the things I had to do and I had to go to the dentist later. And there's no kind of time to spend with my wife. But you know, there's a lot of things that I was doing that other people asked me. It wasn't necessarily like Chad really wants to do this, but all these people were asking in the word is like, okay, live for others, try to do things for others. So I was battling in my heart. Let me just put away my desire and think about what these people and really joyfully just do that. And at one point driving around this whole day, it came into my mind, man, I would really love for my wife to go with me to the dentist, but I can't ask her that. I can't ask her because there's no reason for her to drive 40 minutes with me. It's just kind of like, do what I want. And I'm like, ugh. I had that thought, threw it away, and I just finished my task, and boom, I get back to the house, getting ready to turn around and go to the dentist in 30 minutes, and I walk in the back of the house, there's little stairs up to the kitchen, go up, and my wife comes around the corner, my wife's name is Kana, 
Kana comes around the corner. She looks at me, and the first thing she says is, Chad, can I go with you to the <laughs> dentist? And like, suddenly that thought that I had came, my whole body felt like, because I didn't tell her that, but this was a deep desire that I had, but I thought, I can't even ask that. I can't even do that. But then suddenly, out of her mouth, these words, can I go with you? And I'm telling you, like, to me, that was God. Like God who saw me running around, trying to do things, trying to practice love. And so that's just one experience where even describing it, people might say, oh, that's cool. Like she was thinking about you. Your wife is a good wife. It was just, you can't say that's a coincidence. And so those kind of experiences let you know that there's something there. And we just have to go deeper into sure. that, look more as we feel those things. I just experienced that the other day. Just my heart was wide open and I cried six times in one day and I never do that. I wasn't like bawling, but... Single tear? <laughs> just one? No, there's, tear. There's, a, there's a few. Because I was really tuned in. I'm not sure why. It wasn't an unusual day, but that connecting point is when you're looking for something and you don't force it, but you just stay open to it. It's kind of like you tune in to the radio station of God and you can hear it. Even just a glimpse of it is so beautiful, so divine. So you were open to suggestion. You were open to God speaking to you. I think most of the time we're just honestly too busy or too distracted or too disjointed in our minds. Before we go any further, I want to double back a little bit. And I would love for you to unpack Hyunsang Sunsang because that came up a lot in our conversation. And it's back to our internal external. Yes. But it was a really kind of poetic way of talking about it. Can you talk about a little bit about the Hyunsang Sunsang of sexuality? Yeah, so Sunsang Hyunsang is essentially just the Korean terms for internal nature and external form. So Sunsang is internal nature. And actually in Korean, I'm sure it's much deeper. I don't speak Korean fully or know Chinese characteristics. Sunsang is like internal nature and kyungsang is the outer form the external form so with sexuality if we think about that instinctive side the physical side the physical mind and body that is the kyungsang there is a certain level of stimulation when we physically release just on the outer level you know if you look at the principle it talks about subject object internal external even like God's responsibility, our responsibility is 95, 5. This internal portion is the cause, biggest part. The sung song is the biggest part. But the outer sexual release, that is just the external part. So if we seek that or if we're pulled by that, that is limiting even our happiness. So the true happiness in sexuality, the true fulfillment in sexuality, is when we can go in concert, I don't know if that's too fancy of a word, in sync with the internal side, which is God's nature, God's desire. It's not my own desire. So why did God make these sexual organs? What is the purpose of these sexual organs? What is the hope that God has? These kind of thoughts and feelings are the internal nature of our sexuality. It has to do with the creation of family, which means my children. So in the end, when I have a lot of problems in my sexuality, that is going to show in my fruit, in my family directly. Like all these problems of sexuality, 
that begin with this wrong motivation where I'm just looking at my feeling, the external part, my physical mind, my instinct. This is like a free sex culture. Every problem is coming out of that. This might be a little controversial to say, just sleeping around and dating a lot and having a lot of partners, being a playboy, playgirl. If you look at the motivation, it's not so different from homosexuality. Homosexuality is saying my sexual desire is what the center is. Like I prefer this gender and that's the center. You can't tell me anything else. So someone else is like, I prefer to sleep around when I want. And that's what it is. You can't tell me anything else. In the motivation, it's the same. It's just me. So for people who are heterosexual, sleep around to accuse homosexual, it's like completely hypocritical and contradictory when you look at that internal aspect of sexuality. It's all my direction and motivation. And God's direction is not for himself. It's for his future children. You know, he's offering himself for his children as a parent does. So my sexuality, my own control, my own happiness is for the sake of family. Like this is part of the reason why Reverend Moon, our true father, used to be so strict about that. Even though there's this internal nature, he's like, don't even look because that will protect your lineage. That will protect your children's heart. What I mean is like, if there's a guy who sleeps around a lot and then he somehow successfully has one wife and stays with that one wife, still those children are going to have like an unstable heart because that man's heart has gone all over the place. So the children will bear the fruit of that internal spiritual stuff that he built up. That is going to go into your children no matter what. And this is the internal side of sexuality. It's about the family is the fruit and things like that. Yeah, so. I think it's a good gauge of am I having hyunsang or sunsang sex? Because for sure, once you get married, you can tell that if you're having physical external sex, it really leaves you feeling emptier than before. Your body might be satiated, but you feel no closer to the person, to your spouse. Ah, uh, you're saying even within the context Absolutely, of marriage, yeah. you if can you're just feel having that like sex for the sake of itself, it doesn't fulfill its purpose of making you feel closer to that person. I can definitely tell okay. from myself, but from the many accounts that we have, is that what that does when you start having physical, external based sex without the heart, without the mind, without the spirituality, is it starts to become a wedge that drives two people further apart through the physical act that is meant to conjoin. Instead, it separates. It's truly an amazing phenomenon because it's by all means the same act, but it's just the difference is whether you're actually fully present or not physically mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. I just think that that's a really good gauge to be like, Hyun Sang was the internal, right? Song okay, some song sex is what you want to be after when you don't have that to kind of look at that and to course correct because it will get you in trouble. If you're a single person, then that means that you're really following your body and your body's in charge and the rest of you is trying to catch up with your body and that's always a dangerous place to be in. Even within marriage, even if you're not having extramarital stuff even if you're not watching porn it doesn't matter even in the physical act of sex if that's all it is it's ultimately going to be a negative over time so i like that just in terms of a framework because i can definitely tell my own motivations when i'm with my wife like is this for me or hmm. is this for something greater or it's a very different experience well i'm gonna unpack that a little bit too what you just said i mean it, just to clarify it's never separate 
because it's one entity. So there's always a sung song with the young song. But the problem, if you look at the issue of human beings, is we have two minds, right? So there's the quote unquote evil mind and then the original mind. Or you could say the false mind and the true mind. The young song sex just external is actually a sung song that's false with the external. Or there's a sung song that's true with the external because the external is being determined by the heart. They're like not separate things. So when you say it's just for myself or, and you feel that empty feeling, it's because there's a false sung song. The sung song is always there. There's a false internal. It's the wrong direction. And it will never lead to happiness. Even in marriage, it won't feel fulfilled. And so if you could see what is the real source of my motivation, what am I creating? If it's false, it's all just a distraction. You know what I mean? It's all a distraction towards falseness. Like from false love comes false happiness. And then this false society, divorce comes out of that. Like when I'm not fulfilled, I'm not fulfilled. And I can't take responsibility that it's coming from my heart. I'll blame my partner. I was so shocked to see that there's some people who went to the blessing, have four kids and 10 years later, boom, they're divorced. I'm like, how can that happen? When you have children, and this is before I was blessed, especially after being blessed, you know, I can <laughs> see the struggle between men and women, yeah. how hard it is. When there's that false sense in there, it will always distract and divide. You can say it's all coming from that one problem, this problem of sexuality. If you think of sexuality as the motivation, and then the young song part is like the physical act. And nations, you know, they used to control that more. There used to be really strict laws in America about like sexuality and what you can do. And I saw Indonesia, which I think yeah, Bali yeah, is in yeah, Indonesia, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, which, you know, you have an affinity for Bali, if I'm not mistaken. I live but, in uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have an affinity, but yeah. I saw that too. So they're cracking down and people were attacking them. They're kind of protecting their people. Well, that, in let's, let's just explain that Bali or Indonesia just criminalized extramarital, so premarital and extramarital sex and cohabitation outside of marriage is now officially illegal. So everybody was worried because basically all their tourism in Bali comes from Australia, like 80% of it. And 80% of them are just having sex with each other. They're not married. So they were all worried. Oh, I guess now we can't come. But the, the stipulation is, it's very interesting, that they have people that will follow leads, but the only person that can rat somebody out is a family member, either a child or a parent mm -hmm. of the people who are having this premarital or extramarital. They're the only ones that can call it in. And then somebody will investigate and those people can be arrested for having that illicit sex. So that's kind of intense. I remember Very Reverend intense. Compton said that back in the 40s and 50s, in order to get a hotel room with a woman, you had to produce your marriage certificate. You could not do it otherwise because mm -hmm. it was like part of the ethos that sex is for marriage. So that's a joke. Airbnb. <laughs> so I wanted to know though, yes, do sir. you have anything on your heart that you really wanted to convey that we didn't yet speak about before we go? Kind of the last thing we said, you know, I really feel like this struggle, you know, there's a lot of young men, women who are struggling out there with this addiction and sexuality. It's not just our own struggle even conquering these things can contribute to society, maybe not in a way that you see, but because that kind of heart that we're creating, where build this force and this, this lifestyle toward 
other people, that becomes a magnet for people. So well before you're blessed or you have this like cool family and stuff and things that people can see, you can fight this struggle, create an energy that attracts people. I remember one time in college when I was really doing well, but struggling to maintain and kind of like, yeah, to not be all sexual in college is rough. Who's my best friend now? I met him and I just told him straight up, like, I don't do anything with these girls. And he was like, wow, there's people like you. <laughs> like, he was so inspired. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even like, I was telling him, like, I don't look at porn or masturbate or anything like that. He's like, really? Why are you so disciplined? And that was like one of the biggest points that made him want to hang out with me. You know, and now we're like best friends and stuff. I started showing how strict I was with those things. It was like a big attraction to him. That's like, man, this is a really different kind of person. So well before being blessed and things, we can really impact the world around us. It's not just yourself. You're affecting and positively doing things for the whole people around you in society as we fight this struggle. Yeah, that's yeah. two main action steps that I got was that the more that you focus on willpower and self, the more that you're going to struggle. So it's much better to focus on something beyond you and pour your energy into that. And the second thing is to really measure your sexuality based on, am I being stimulated? Am I actionizing external-based sexuality or internal-based sexuality? Because that will ultimately lead you to a much more fulfilled place if it's based on internal stuff rather than external stuff. So great. Yeah. Let me say this, just as yeah. conclusion. The relationship with God, the experience with God is unending power. If you start to experience, you will have the power you need. You know, you'll get more than your own willpower. So anybody who's curious about those things, keep going. Look at that relationship with God. It's unending power. Yes. It's not false. It's not a concept. I would love to talk more about that, but that's maybe a different <laughs> topic. So. Go find another podcast for that stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is the sex place. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you for waking up early and putting on a shirt and buttoning it up all the way to the tip top just for us. Oh, yeah, that's right. You look good. Style. You look good. You know. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you, Chad Lee, Michael Johnson, for your time, for your yes, words. Sir. I got Thank a lot you. out of it. Mr. Love. Thank you so much. Say goodbye to everybody, and then we'll take off. Oh, well, take care. Goodbye. Chad Lee, Michael Johnson. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. If you want to reach out, hang out, talk. I got time. He's a great WhatsApp buddy. Find him on WhatsApp and he'll have some great conversations. Oh, yes. All right. Thanks. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Hey, everybody. Andrew Love here. And I just wanted to let you know that we have completely revamped our offering known as the Ascend Program. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know that the Ascend Program has been our flagship porn recovery program for years and we've added a lot of content we've tweaked things here and there but recently we've completely done an overhaul in terms of our approach to recovery and here's why you see originally we tried to appeal to everybody and we just let everybody come in anybody who said that they wanted to tackle porn we just let them join and there's a very low barrier of entry but what we found was that a lot of people who thought they were ready to tackle their porn addiction or who kind of wanted to they didn't always show up in the best way and they in many cases brought the group dynamic down and so what we've done is we've made the barrier of entry a little higher and in turn we've made our offering much more powerful 
let me explain. So when you sign up now, there is a small fee for everybody to sign up, but you get that money back once you finish that quarter. It's in kind of an escrow as a challenge for you to take your time more seriously because if you put money into something and you're only gonna get it back out if you really try, if you really attend your classes, if you really do all the work, then guess what? Your motivation to do that work is much higher. So that's the first thing. Second thing is we are, of course, offering our weekly call groups as a part of the Ascend program. So you'll have your group that you meet with every single week, and that's super important. But in addition to that, you're going to get daily accountability. You'll be able to message with somebody every single day in order to stay on track with your North Star goal. And more than that, every quarter you get two one-on-one -on -one calls with a high noon staff. That is a one-on-one -on -one call where we do a deep dive into where you're at and where you're going. And we help you to diagnose precisely what actions will be most useful for your time, for your energy, so that you can get the biggest results for your energy spent. So we are doing our best here at Highland to make sure that you grow the most in the shortest amount of time. It's all a part of our new roadmap that we've created. Anyway, we've been doing this for a while, but we are always getting better and better. And this quarter, the first quarter in 2023 is going to be monumental. So please sign up for this Ascend program. Take it super seriously and just watch what happens. Watch how your life transforms in a short period of time.